Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. How you doing, Brian? I'm all right. Tired. You know, debates, flies, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Lots of flies. Lots of flies. <laughs> I haven't been able to get out of bed for five days, so... Um, well, that that's worse just, than me, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, whatever I did last week kind of boomeranged and I can't move. You saw what I was doing last week. I was riding 10 miles a day, walking 10 to 20,000 steps. And the other day it just hit me and I like could not get out of bed. Like, okay, fuck, <laughs> old. Do you think you just uh, came, too, came too quick out of the gate, as it were? No, I was feeling perfect, All feeling right. perfect. And uh, then the weather changed, and then you can't even walk because, you know, I'm old and I got metal parts in me. It's just been a fucking week. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to do something I think that'll make it a bit easier for, for you and, and me as well. We, we are switching to one show a week next week, correct? Yes, we are. thought I'd double check because sometimes we talk about something and it changes on me. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, yeah, it's just it's been too much. We need to pare it down because we went to two shows because we had all these advertisers lined up and they were going to give us lots of money. Well, that went away. <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, we've got the COVID uh, the COVID cuts happening. We're we're furloughing one show a week, just like most people are these days. Yep. Actually, a lot of shows I listen to have just up and quit. So yeah, be happy. We're still here for one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Take what you can get in these unprecedented times. Yeah. So one show a week moving forward. Um, I think we have to hammer out the details still uh, about what day exactly it'll come out. But uh, you'll see it on your feed when it appears. And uh, there you go. You know, we'll go back to two if it makes sense financially someday. But right now it doesn't. So one. One is all you get. <laughs> all right. Uh, I watched uh, and finished. Raised by Wolves. Now, normally we would wait until Media Candy, but uh, now that we're going to one show a week, no point in waiting anymore. Uh, and I wanted to save everybody the trouble. Oh, my God, it's horrible. It got worse? Is that possible? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because the big payoff that they were leading to all season long is a horrible payoff and a stupid okay. <laughs> payoff and made me just groan. It's bad. I have no interest in ever watching this show again. I don't care how many seasons it gets review renewed for. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Like, oh, my God. Just they, they should have <laughs> HBO Max just should have sent all their subscribers money instead of the, the cash that they spent on making this. Yeah, I kind of got that feeling after the first uh, episode. Oh, it got yeah. worse. Much, 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 it's much almost, worse. It's almost impossible to fathom. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I, I, I just kind of sat there shocked at how bad it was. Anyways, uh, last episode, we talked a bit about how movie studios have learned absolutely nothing and are pushing back their movies in the desperate hopes of us going back into theaters again to infect each other, much like, oh, I don't know, a super spreader event at the White House, and we just aren't doing it. So uh, one, one studio has learned Disney. Well, they already kind of already knew what to do because they, they did do their 
we're going to give you Mulan and you just pay up for it, even though you're already a subscriber. And if you wait three more months, then you'll get it for free as a subscriber. Well, not for free as a subscriber. As a subscriber, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll get it. Uh, so that is a good plan and one that kind of makes sense. Uh, they are doing this again with Pixar's next movie, Soul, which is going straight to Disney Plus at Christmas. Uh, they will not be charging anything extra for it. They're just, here's our movie. We can't put it out in the theater because you're not going to go. Here it is. Well done, Disney. Well done, indeed. Mm-hmm. Although I just don't know about a movie that's just all about death right now. <laughs> they pick a different topic. Well, you know, they're putting it out at Christmas to be seasonal. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I also talked about the West Wing special that's coming. Uh, we have a full trailer for it, which gave me the chills. Link is in the show notes. I watched it. It's most of what I think the whole show is going to be. There's yeah, a pretty, lot of trailer in there. Pretty much. <laughs> and a little follow-up Paracast or Parcast. Mm-hmm. You never get that right. Um, we talked about how they were going to unionize inside of Spotify. Yes. And turns out uh, it worked. All right. Yeah, good for them. Just a little congratulations there. And thanks for everyone who pointed out to me that it's hypochlorous acid, not hydrochloric acid. <laughs> Got enough. Slight difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's funnier, though, if it was hydrochloric acid. Come on. It would be. In the news. Facebook has shut down 10 networks that violated its policies against coordinated inauthentic behavior between September 22nd and today, the company has announced. In each case, the people behind this activity coordinated with one another, hence the coordinated inauthentic behavior, um, and used fictitious accounts and personas as a central part of their operations to mislead people about who they are, what they are doing, and that was the basis for our actions, said Facebook head of security policy Nathaniel Gleacher in a blog post. When we investigated and removed these operations, we focus on behavior rather than content, whether they're foreign or domestic, and regardless of who's behind them or what they post. Okay, might want to throw in that content bit sometime, too. Yeah, I think just- content's kind of important, <laughs> actually. Yeah, you know, just just throw that in there every now and again, please, for us. Yeah. Uh, the most notable takedown was of a misinformation network made of 200 Facebook accounts, 55 Facebook pages, and 76 Instagram accounts that focused on audiences in the United States and in Kenya and Botswana. Ooh, Botswana. Yes. Rather than posting inflammatory or misleading content of their own, the actors involved used accounts with stock images as profile pictures to comment on stories shared by news organizations and public figures. So a lot of trolling comments. Uh, These included uh, topics like trophy or sport hunting in the U.S. and Kenya. I didn't realize it was such a big thing here, but okay. Uh, The midterm elections in 2018, the 2020 presidential elections, COVID-19, criticism of the Democratic Party and the presidential candidate Joe Biden, and praise of President Trump and the Republican Party. Who would have thought it? They had a side. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, uh, thank it. <laughs> yeah, of all the misinformation networks the company shut down this month, this one had spent the most on ads by far. All told, $973,000 were spent across Facebook and Instagram, though Facebook was quick to note that at least some of the money came from, in air quotes, authentic accounts. <laughs> so are we shutting down those authentic accounts too for being involved in this? 
Well, if they're spending $973,000, I'm guessing probably not. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. So yeah, all, the trophy a- hunting, all, the, all the trophy hunting ads they, they bought went to just one guy. It was the guy from Papa John's. <laughs> so because there was such a large amount of money involved, they did, of course, try to track that and see where most of it was coming from. And they did. Uh, the network was linked to a U.S. marketing firm called Rally Forge, working on behalf of the Inclusive Conservative Conservation Group and the conservative nonprofit Turning Point USA. Now, uh, Engadget, which reported this, got a statement from Turning Point USA, an advocacy group, asserting that it, not Turning Point USA, oh, sorry, a statement from Turning Point Action. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not Turning Point USA was responsible for the comments in question. So they, they I guess, decided they wanted to own it. I guess, but it's kind of a distinction without a difference because they have the same founder. <laughs> yes, and the same <laughs> agendas. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it doesn't make any bit of difference whatsoever. Uh, relatedly, Twitter has suspended 16,000 or 1,600 accounts. Sorry, 16,000 actually would be something effective as opposed yeah, to 1,600. That, that would actually be a good number. <laughs> uh, accounts linked to state disinformation networks. Obviously, since they rolled out their labeling that we talked about last week, that I guess that made it uh, easier for themselves to police themselves. Oh, look, it's got the label that we created. I guess we should ban them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're connected to state information operations carried out by Iran, Saudi Arabia, Cuba, and Thailand, of all places. Uh, They wrote in a blog post that accounts operated in Iran artificially amped conversations on politically sensitive topics, which include racial and social justice issues in the U.S., such as Black Lives Matter and the killing of George Floyd. Many of the accounts were compromised, and Twitter returned most of them to their original owners. It suspended 104 other accounts linked to the campaign. They banned 33 accounts linked to the Saudi Arabian government. These accounts were created to impersonate key Qatari political figures and to advance narratives about Qatari politics, which are geostrategically... <laughs> Almost got it. <laughs> Almost got it. I was like running for it. And, and then I just started thinking in my head about, oh my God, I can't believe the fucking World Cup is going to be in Qatar. <laughs> and then whatever. Okay. And they also shut down 526 fake accounts that says were operated by youth groups connected to the Cuban government. And 926 accounts allegedly run by the Royal Thai Army, which were amplifying pro-Royal Thai Army and pro-government content, as well as engaging in behavior targeting prominent political opposition figures. And the Russian accounts, Twitter linked those to trolls behind a fake news site. So they're, they're trying. They're, they're, yeah. The companies are trying. They're out there. But it's, it's whack-a-mole, man. There's more of them than there are actual customer service people or people trying to fix these things inside these companies. So yeah, is what it is, but you know what they are spending time on hmm. uh, there. You cannot say that you want the, the Trumpster to die from COVID-19. Hmm. They spent a lot of time on that one this week. Not enough. My account's still mm. active. Mine is too, <laughs> but see, I didn't, I didn't wish him dead. I hoped for a, a long and miserable life, hmm. but that's just me. You are, you're all, you are caring that way. I am. I'm very caring that way. Uh, so, yeah, they were saying that uh, basically they're not going to delete your account. They may put it into a read-only mode, and you may have to remove the tweets. I'm like, okay. Now, but the fun he part doesn't about- have to do anything. Interesting. No, he doesn't have to do no, anything. That, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They say content that wishes, hopes, or expresses a desire for death, serious bodily harm, or fatal disease against an individual is against our rules. Since when? <laughs> They say this rule will apparently apply to people who wish death upon Trump, who is the single most powerful person in the world. And, of course, when this thing came out, 
tons and tons of people are like, I get death threats all the time on here. How come you don't do anything about that? Yeah, interesting. Selective enforcement. Selective enforcement, for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to something less charged. <laughs> you're gonna, oh, you're gonna get <laughs> <laughs> Amazon unveils its first custom all-electric delivery van from Rivian. We've talked about this deal that they made uh, quite a while ago, and then they've rolled one out. It's a cute. It is cute. Yeah, good design. It's a fully electric pickup truck. Uh, it features a clean, even whimsical design. With big round headlights sitting low to the ground, it almost has the appearance of a dog that knows it did something wrong. <laughs> That's according to Engadget. Yeah. Uh, by 2022, Amazon aims to have 10,000 of these on the road as part of a larger environmental pledge to go net zero carbon by 2040. They have better placed, get cooking, man. I it's know, a lot yeah, of trucks. They got to move. They've placed an order for 100,000 uh, in late 2019. Uh, so it's after they funded it, of course. Amazon mm -hmm. expects to get the remaining 90,000 uh, by 2030. So that would put them on uh, on schedule in theory. Although, you know, delivery vans is just one part of the process about being net zero carbon. So good luck with that. Yeah. And I like the Rivian trucks. Uh, they have two of them in a long way up that they that they use to, you know, yeah. drive up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they're all like prototypes in there in that show because it was like uh, they filmed it like a year and a half ago. Right. Before the world went, you know, tits up. But <laughs> they're pretty cool looking. I do got to give them that. And they have a cool feature where you can uh, tow them to charge them. So if you run out of juice and you can hit your toe, you can get uh, enough juice to get to like the next charging station. I thought well, that was pretty cool. Oh, it's like a it's like a modern day jump start. Yep. Yep. And uh, Waymo is offering public rides in driverless cars in Phoenix. They're screwing up our numbers. <laughs> you too can now have a driverless car ride, sort of. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You can. I don't know if I'm going to. <laughs> I'm not going well, to either because I don't. Uh, well, we've discussed this at great length over seven years. No way in hell. In the near yeah. term, 100% of our rides will be fully driverless. Waymo CEO John Krafik said. Good to tight. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they're adding barriers to its vehicles that separate the front row seats from the rear passenger cabin. Huh? What? What? I thought it was driverless. Why would we need the barriers? Oh, wait. They're starting to offer rides with trained operators again. Hmm. hmm. This is getting curious. Hmm. All right. So they're driverless cars with trained operators. Hmm. Waymo Isn't currently a trained operator, also known as a driver. driver. <laughs> Waymo currently operates in a hundred square mile area that includes Tempe and Mesa suburbs of Phoenix. Its driverless cars are currently limited to a 50 square mile operating area, and uh, they will not leave those cars to its own devices. As The Verge points out, the company has a team of remote employees that keep tabs on the vehicles. The company say those employees aren't joysticking the cars, but they can step in if something goes awry, which should set people at ease about getting into their vehicles. Not me, but it does add a wrinkle to Waymo's claim that its rides about it's about to offer in Phoenix are fully driverless. All right, so they have a big press release saying they're offering driverless car rides. Most of the they the, everything's been on hold because they had to put in plexiglass to separate the driver from the passengers. There's a hundred square mile area they operate in. Only fifty square miles of those actually involve anything that could even remotely be considered driverless. And there are people that are basically plugged in and joysticking those cars the entire time too. Well, they're, they're not joysticking them. They're just in case. They're, oh, they're right, just right. in case. They're just in case. And I love this at the very end. A recent report found that forty-eight percent of Americans said they would never get into a self-driving taxi. 
I would I would be counted among those. <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, Excel. Oh, oh, this one's great. This one's you know, great. I, again, it, people like point out and, and are screaming about this and saying how dumb software is. It's user error here, not software error. Over the weekend, the UK saw its number of COVID-19 cases spike in large part because of a Microsoft Excel error. I correct that to a Microsoft Excel user error. Between yes, September it was a 25th, feature, not a bug. <laughs> yes, between September 25th and October 2nd, 15,841 cases went unreported in the government database. According to Public Health England, the files with positive results sent by the National Health Services test and trace system exceeded the maximum size. Because of the error, which was discovered on Friday, nearly 48,000 people who had been who had had contact with those who tested positive weren't traced. Yes, this is because they stored the test results in the file format known as .xls. These XLS files were then sent to the NHS after uploading to a central system. However, XLS is an outdated file format, and each spreadsheet can only have 65,000 rows. By contrast, the .xlxx file format <laughs> XLS Extreme Extreme which was first more released rows. in 2007 so is over 13 years old allows for more <laughs> than 1 million rows because of the limited number of rows each spreadsheet could contain about 1400 cases leaving excess cases off the file together so yes idiots so that's what happened. Although the issue was reportedly fixed by splitting the files into smaller batches, many are slamming Public Health England. <laughs> Why are critical databases in a national pandemic posted on Excel spreadsheets? Jonathan Ashworth, the Labor Party's shadow health secretary, said. No, I want a business card with that on it. Exactly. <laughs> Why aren't they using specialist database software? Because... There's no need to. Why would you develop your own database software when perfectly acceptable ones have been created and been around for years and you just have to know how to use them? Just get a, yeah. I mean, go get a copy of, you know, my sequel. That yeah, works just fine. Done. It's <laughs> totally fine if you know how to use it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. So there you go. And the story about Pantone came around. Now, I, I, you and I are, are very familiar with Pantone. If, if you're not a graphic designer or haven't worked in the field, you may not know what it is. Most people know that Pantone has something to do with color, but that's about it. Uh, Pantone basically began as a printing company in 1962, but the core of its business quickly became the Pantone matching system. Before that, there was no easy universal way for designers, clients, and printers to communicate exact shades of color. Pantone system filled this need by assigning a code and formula for more than 1,000 colors and creating a universal system, which has been actually very useful. They aren't the only people to do it, but they were the first and they had the most money behind it. So they became the de facto standard. Now, since then... They've basically done everything they possibly can to promote themselves and make money, including putting out their, their colors of the year, which used to be kind of whimsical and fun, but basically they're just fucking ways to make money now. And yep. <laughs> uh, this is a great article about it. Um, let's see. He's, the author was talking about when the press release arrived in 2016, it declared there were two colors, Rose Quartz and Serenity, essentially baby pink and baby blue. The announcement celebrated the union of the two colors, which Pantone said reflect connection and wellness and affirm gender, equality and fluidity, as well as an open exchange of digital, digital information. Oh, I realized taking in the buzzwords, this is bullshit. And they I'm just are. getting ready to say Pantone is synonymous with bullshit. Yes, their color this year is a color called Period, which is yep. done in collaboration <laughs> with a Swedish menstrual cup brand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. That's funny. That's why we can't have nice things. 
<laughs> yep. Hey, but uh, what was it? T-Mobile just tried to, they were suing everybody over their magenta. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, that didn't work out so well for them. Yeah. Good. It's a color. It's a color. You can't sue over a color. Just, yeah, well, you can you can try. <laughs> yeah. So you just might not win. So they've done like many things like this over the years. They've done a, a custom color for McKellen uh, and LG and blah, blah, blah. So uh, it's a funny article. Look, I still think Pantone is incredibly useful. We, we do need things of this nature. And uh, so they, you know, they do stupid things to publicize themselves, whatever. But a fun read if you are uh, in the, in this world at all. And uh, speaking of not having nice things, apparently we can. Occasionally have something nice. The trailer for Somebody Feed Phil season four has now come yep. out. So yeah, so this is uh, I'm assuming done pre pre pandemic because he is traveling San Francisco, Singapore, Hawaii, etc. But uh, drops on October 30th. Very happy about yeah. that. Only five episodes though. I know that's, that's all we bummer. get. Yeah, you guys get one a week. We only get five of Phil. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app, and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show slash VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to GOG.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet completely risk-free. That's GOG.show slash VPN. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game-changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the Creative Strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. 
Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flour in convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com. Code GOG. Security? Ha! We are joined again this week by our good pal Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the Cyberwire podcast and is also the co-host of the Social Engineering Pod- Project Podcast Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, as well as the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy as well as surveillance and privacy. Good day to you, sir. Hello, it's the Dave Bittner experience. <laughs> Ooh, that would be like a bad We've got a new name for it. <laughs> yeah. Rebrand. And another yeah, podcast coming go. to you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, missed you guys last week. Everything going well? Anything exciting happened while I was away? Or you guys were away? Or we didn't connect? Whatever it was? Well, I, I, I can't even remember. <laughs> I know. Yeah, time I can't, is, can't remember time yesterday, much less two weeks ago. Very right? little meaning. I, I'm not sure if Trump had COVID last year or a couple of days ago. Uh, I know that there was some sort of coup in a state, but that could have been 20 years ago at this point for all I know. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, the same. I, 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 I hesitate to say that I'm I'm feeling, you know, in a good mood or anything at the risk of another <laughs> Supreme Court justice dropping dead. So Yes, angering just, the gods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll just say uh, we're hanging in there. Things are uh, moving along and uh, just taking it day by day. The, the wackiness that is. Uh, 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a year. It will mm-hmm. always be remembered as a year, mm-hmm. or yeah. a decade, yeah. or a century. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've got a bit of news about stuff that we've been talking about quite a bit recently, which is uh, Google and and basically, well, any of the big players at this point sharing their data with law enforcement. It's it's been in the news, and it is yet again. Google is drawing some criticism for data that it hands over to police in a particularly interesting case. This this one being R. Kelly. And his uh, his racketeering case and all that sort of stuff. So Detroit News reporter Robert Snell has reviewed court documents showing that Google handed over IP addresses for users who searched for a specific address. And why am I getting a phone call? Sorry. I'm supposed to be on mute. There we go. Uh, for uh, – it's still ringing in my headphones. How annoying. <laughs> There we Technology. Go. <laughs> Technology. Isn't it awesome and useful at all times? You mute it and it keeps it ringing. <laughs> it just, uh, yeah. So anyways, where was I? Ah, yes. Well, there was a search warrant and it led to the arrest of Michael Williams, an associate of R. Kelly's, on both arson and witness tampering charges. Uh, they also linked the IP address to his phone number and followed up on a warrant for details of his Google account and found out that he had looked up phrases such as witness intimidation and countries that don't have extradition with the United States. <laughs> Just, no. I'm sure it's a coincidence. I mean, who uh, yeah, hasn't I mean, searched for those things? I, I often <laughs> start. I have a Google <laughs> alert set for that. 
<laughs> so oh, uh, just uh, you know another I, I feel like sometimes this this part of our podcast is is a, a is a master class for criminals just keep in mind perhaps use a vpn when doing such searches uh you know there you know, don't don't do it on your computer maybe go to the library i i don't know but if you're going to search for how to uh engage in criminal activities uh they can get to that <laughs> get yourself a show slash vpn <laughs> right right get yourself a burner chromebook mm-hmm. <laughs> head on over to the local library uh <laughs> put on your disguise uh and all that good stuff I, i'll say one thing that i think is good in this story is that they did actually go and get a warrant yes right yes so they kind um, of they did follow the rules and, and I, I can't be too upset at google for this because they got the warrant um, they also got yeah. a warrant for verizon to be able to get a, a phone location information so they can see where he was at the time. So this was all done above board, but uh, it is a reminder that that all this stuff is tracked. So, yeah, it's an interesting nuance that uh, Ben Yellen and I talk a lot over on Caveat about, which is the difference between kind of law enforcement just casting a wide net and saying, "Hey, Google," or "Hey, Verizon," we would like to have. Every IP address that was that has hanging Googled out. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but let, let's say every every IP address, or we're going to use location information here. Every IP address that was hanging out around this convenience store between four and six o'clock on this date. Yeah. Give us everybody. So that's one direction. And then the other direction to come at sort of the same information is hey, Google, we are um, interested in this particular person who is under investigation. Could you tell us if this person was hanging out around this convenience store between four and six on this date? Right. Very different, uh, different approach of searches. Yeah, different approach and um, different civil liberties ramifications with both of them. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think I think it's an important nuance, at least uh, the way that I think about it. I'm much more okay with the one where. As part of an existing investigation, they're going and asking for specific information rather than just going out with a big old net and saying, give us the information on everybody in town who's been around here. That's kind of like you know, going door to door and, and searching everyone's homes. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And and the, again, like Jason always says in this area, at least there was some there was some actual police work that was done here, some some real police work done, and then they just used uh, these this data as to to augment the case. Really, they they kind of knew they used it to search for some specifics, and now we've got them. Yeah, book them, yeah. Dano, <laughs> and then and, and turn off that stingray in the back of your car where you actually saw his number first before you went to go get the warrant. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> well, I put this next story in here. Uh, this is about uh, a, a organization called Rainbow Mix, which um, favorite breakfast cereal growing up, <laughs> <laughs> right? The new blue diamonds. <laughs> um, so, what struck, what caught my eye about this is that this is an app fraud organization, or so uh, the allegations are. This is a story over on the Bleeping Computer website. Um, and these folks had a mix of apps that were everything from Nintendo emulators, um, other games they were ripping off, just all the, the, the sort, usual suspects when it comes to kind of janky ads uh, in the Google Play Store. Right. Um, but they were generating $150,000 per day in <laughs> ad fraud profit. I am in the wrong business. 
Yeah, I seriously. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now, this doesn't yeah. sound terribly difficult, really, to do. Uh, <laughs> wow, it, that's a lot no, of money. It, it does not. And the other thing that struck me about this is um, having never had an Android device, the way that this ad fraud works, this this notion that an app that is running in the background can take control of your screen and bubble up an ad front and center in front of everything else um, – I guess as an iOS user, this seems both foreign and insane to me. It is It is why we all use Apple products. <laughs> well, I was trying to think, is there, is there an equivalent to this on iOS? Is something uh, invasive like this? I mean, occasionally I'll see things, if you're browsing around to particular kinds of websites, um, something will <laughs> pop up that will say, uh, you know, hey, your computer's infected with something, uh, go get, you know, whatever, download the latest version of Flash or something like that. I, I, I've never seen that. that. I know not of what you speak. <laughs> I've, I've, I've only had it described to me. Oh, okay. Uh, right, right. So A friend. I, yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't tell you much more than that because I haven't really seen it myself. Uh, but um, my understanding is that it will take control of the browser and but again, all you have to really do is close the browser window to get back to the content that you were searching for. Um, I've heard so, tales of people that have actually had to say unplug their computer and reboot it. Sure, sure, okay. Wow, wow. I mean, I've just heard these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, guys yeah. talk, you hear things, right? Yeah, this is locker room so, talk. Exactly, exactly. Locker room talk. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, I, I just thought this was or the web in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, just from I the s- point of view of the number of apps that they were able to get onto the Play Store, it says they had over two hundred forty apps, um, and the, to be generating this kind of money is, uh, like you said, man, are we in the wrong business? Well, I mean, to be fair, they are. It is illegal what they were doing, so. They're yeah, going to get yeah, in trouble that. now. There's that. But, <laughs> but uh, overall, yes, I would say we are definitely doing the wrong thing here. <laughs> uh, especially since we know, I mean, realistically, what's going to happen here. They'll, they'll get a fine. They'll, they'll be told to stop, um, slap on the wrist. Uh, I don't, you know, it, it, not much is going to happen to these people as opposed to what should actually probably happen to them. So Yeah, especially if they're overseas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose, you know, if, if Google had some liability for this, if they weren't <laughs> – I, I, I know, I know. If they were, weren't uh, hiding behind their, you know, Section 230 privileges, yeah. um, that they weren't just a platform. So that could, that could do stuff. Again, I don't, I don't mean to sound so uh, iOS-centric, but it seems to me like uh, while not perfect, the Apple App Store does a better job of keeping this stuff off their platform. Oh, yes, much so. I mean, I always uh, – the argument seems to always be from Android users, it's it's the cost. Uh, the cost of iOS, the cost of Apple products is prohibitive and, and uh, you know, you're much better better off and it makes more financial sense to do an Android. But I always look at the time involved and it just seems that you would have to do – you'd have to do so much work to keep your Android phone safe and, and you have to be on the ball about things and research what you're downloading and all of that. So that that's a time cost to me. So yeah. it's, it's always made more sense for me just to go with, with Apple. 
I guess, though, for folks who are tinkerers, who like – that's the fun part is right. having the freedom to do all that kind of stuff where you can't do that on iOS. I could see that being a real appeal if you're you know, the same kind of person who used to love to tinker with an old classic car in their garage right? Uh, to be able to do that on the Android side. I could see there being real appeal to that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, Jason and I have often talked about how we used to be those people and now we're old. Right. We just want stuff to work. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, right. In a exactly. previous life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I will tell you, I am right on the edge. And uh, <laughs> Brian, this is going to this this day will come to you. Mark my words. I am right on the edge of where I just like if, if there's something not working, I I hand it over to my son and I say, make this work for me, please. Like, yeah. Because that's coming. And it's not it's not that I'm not capable of it. It's not that I couldn't learn it if I wanted to. But it's just it's just faster. It's just easier. Hand it over to the expert. Uh, tell him what I need. Have it handed back to me, and it works. And and I, we're good here. I can move on. Well, see, Father, the problem is you were looking at some mm, websites, and uh, right. I've had to <laughs> right. so clear, clear your browsing history before you hand. The Always clear over. your history. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Abs mm. Or so I'm told. Or so. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, it's good so to I'm hear told. this lesson just in case. Uh, you right. never know. Right. Know. Dad, exactly. what's persona mean? <laughs> yeah. Ah. Mm. Mm. Ooh, yes. uh, yeah. hey, give, give that back to me, son, real quick. Uh, Somebody just... else must have been using my Android phone. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Um, this next story I put in here hackers, mainly... Hackers, <laughs> I put this next story in mainly just because of uh, you you guys both having a, a good amount of background in the music business. Brian, I was thinking of you specifically, but I know, yes. Jason, you, you were, you've, you've uh, dipped your toes into that world as well, right? A little bit here and there. Not as much as Brian. I'm more film. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, this is a story about the Warner Music Group uh, mm -hmm. being sued over a uh, data breach. Yes. And uh, a class action suit, which means no one but the lawyers are going to get any money. Yeah. Everybody, everybody gets a check that costs less than the stamp that it costs to mail them. Yes. <laughs> right. I, I had right. literally got a check for seven cents from a class action lawsuit from Facebook the other day. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> rush out to spend that in, in one hey, place. Uh, I, I will say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It is your duty to do this because this is the only punishment that these companies get. And oftentimes it's baked into the deal that if the money is not claimed, it goes back to the company. So it okay. is a duty to always do these things. <laughs> Make them feel the pain. Exactly. If nothing else, the administrative pain. <laughs> yes. <right? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there's nothing particularly unusual about this. The Warner Music Group people had a data breach. Um, they got hit by a skimmer, it looks like, on one of their websites. Uh, Neil um, Young, but, actually, yes. Yeah, the Neil Young website. Mm -hmm. And um, this woman, uh, Linda Stevens, filed her proposed class action lawsuit in L.A. Superior Court. She's seeking unspecified damages. But so, as you say, uh, maybe this will make them be a little more careful. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting. I don't know if things have changed, but at least until relatively recently, Warner Music was one of the only of the big labels that actually did all their stuff in-house. Uh, all the other oh. labels outsourced to, to actual internet companies that uh, kind of know what they're doing better, while Warner kept their own division internally and and they were never very good. Um, so of all the of all the major labels to get hit by this, this is not surprising to me that it would be Warner that had the problem because they do keep mm. things – they do, at least until recently, had an internal department that took care of all their sites. So, 
No, that's which I was the head of for 30 days. Yes, you were. That was a long time. <laughs> was that ago. right? <laughs> I was ahead of Warner Brothers Records for 30 days. <laughs> really? Or at what least I had the technical, the technical division. Yeah. Oh, it's a long story. Didn't yeah. we? Didn't we've talked about it. Only jobs. <laughs> you have to yeah, point me to an episode number. So maybe one of our listeners can point me to an episode number. <laughs> I, I, all I will say, I will say something in Jason's defense here is that uh, in all my in all my years doing internet stuff with with uh, in the, within the music industry, Warner was always a problem. <laughs> okay. So uh, they oh, were my yeah. least favorite label to work with. I, I did a lot of work with them, but I never Mine really too. enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because I mean I think we can all agree Jason is never a problem. Uh, that, that thirty days that he worked there was probably the only time period that I didn't have an issue with Warner. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, there you go. He was too good. He was yep. he was too much a breath of fresh air. His his leadership style just didn't mesh with uh, <laughs> with the groupthink that was endemic at Warner Music Group. Yes. Right? Yes, pretty they couldn't much. handle yeah. him. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll give you the you that was yeah, that was during American Idiot for the release of American Idiot that month. Yes, and, when uh, I was, I was uh, by the way, that, Green Days guy. Yeah. Yep, you were. That's why we got to do a little bit together. But uh yeah, I was there for thirty days. They never even bought me a computer. So that should wow. tell you how organized they were. <laughs> so what okay all right. We could spend a lot of time on this because all every 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 bit of information you're giving me is just is just leading to more questions on my part. So maybe uh maybe we'll have to put a put a pin in this and come back to it sometime. I'll I'll do my homework and uh you know, listen to an explanation of it from a past episode or something. But this is this is fascinating to me. Yeah, we could, we right. could talk for hours about this. For sure. <laughs> so uh, this last one here, I put this in here because we covered this on the CyberWire this past week uh, because we kind of felt like we had to. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys already covered this. This is the uh, this is the male chastity device yep. that that felt came. the need to be connected to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> came with massive security flaws. Uh, you guys spoke about this already, yes? Oh, yes, we covered it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I don't have much, too much to, uh, to add uh, other than the whole notion of having to uh, use bolt cutters or an angle grinder uh, when it came to <laughs> that part of my self. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping there would be a personal experience story here, or at least a friend of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's you know, and what, so here's the funny thing is that in this case, because we covered this, I would actually have a good excuse to when I hand <laughs> that device over to my son. No, seriously, we were, we talked about it. Let me play the episode for you where I talk about it on the air. No, son, I was not searching for the, the IOT teledildonic chastity cage for men. I was not. No, I was doing. Ugh, oh, okay. I'm just saying, you know, we we've learned a lot about you through through this uh, segment here. So I was mm -hmm. I was kind of hoping for another angle <laughs> inside of the life of Dave Bittner. Perhaps I've said <laughs> too much. Yes, yes. I will, I will say now. I'll, I'll just stick to the furries. This is not uh, this is not my particular uh, flavor of kink. I guess All right. probably would say. But again, I've said too much. <laughs> Well, time to run, guys. I've got AT&T tearing up the internet outside my garage, so that's why I've been muted the whole time. <laughs> oh, goody. Okay. Yeah. AT&T is Jack expanding. Chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. AT&T is expanding from ruining just cell phone service for you now? Yeah, well, it's my neighbor's uh, uh, fiber connection. I'm on Spectrum. 
So that's mm. why he feels the need to make more noise, probably. Than, uh... <laughs> All right. So, well, right. good luck with that, Good Jason. luck. Thanks, guys. Have Talk a good weekend. Talk to you weekend. guys next time. Yep. Take care. Ups and doodads. I was uh, walking through the neighborhood uh, with my kid the other day because, you know, can't go to a park, can't go to school, can't go to a movie theater, can't go to a restaurant, can't do shit except for walk around the goddamn neighborhood. And uh, we were. And all of a sudden I heard this really loud noise and something was motoring up the street. There goes the neighborhood, Jason. This is the Cyan Bot. We have the link in the show notes. It is a box. Uh, one would assume refrigerated uh, on big gigantic wheels. That, or heated. Or heated, I suppose. Well, I don't know what happens if you've got uh, a hot and a cold order together. Maybe there's two boxes in there. I don't know. It's on big gigantic wheels. It was rolling down the uh, down the street. Uh, my kid quickly discovered that it has motion sensors on it and would basically stop the thing and thought it was hilarious. And then he would let it go and it would run down the street a little bit more. And then he would run after it and jump in front of it and it would stop again. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, this is really the future. This is this is it. Yeah, it is. Welcome to the future of delivery, <laughs> they say. So I looked it up and I, I discovered I could get condoms delivered. I could get ice cream delivered. I could get uh, everything except for alcohol delivered, basically. Um, Boo. Yeah. And they charge a buck ninety nine one one delivery fee to, to have this thing roll up to your house. I assume you have to get an app and it then notifies you it's outside and you walk up and open it up and take out whatever it is you ordered. It's loud, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just what you need. Just what more you shit need. rolling around Santa Monica. You exactly. already got the scooters. You got yeah. more drones and you know what to do with. Uh, now some, you got this idiot box. Yeah, some of the neighbors were out talking about it, complaining, because I guess it's been it's been rolling around for a bit, but this is the first time I saw it. Um yeah, it's it's as you know, it, it's louder than a Prius. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh pigeon farts louder than a Prius though, so Yeah. So great. I, I'm so thrilled that these companies are able to just uh, put their stuff on our on our public streets without any any regulations whatsoever or anybody mm-hmm. having a vote or a say in it. it they're just here. That's it. <laughs> Yay. I saw that well, <laughs> actually the funniest thing I saw. Uh, it was trying to navigate its way around uh, about eight bird scooters that had just been dumped in the middle of a of a sidewalk. Uh, so I should have taken a picture you, of that. <laughs> you should have taken a video of that, but you should also just made a made like a bird scooter, uh, you know, like wagon train around them so it couldn't get out. <laughs> just watch it back up and go back and forth. Something I for think, me to I do think this you week. have something to do. Yeah, <laughs> something for your afternoon. <laughs> All right. Would have been good. Get my kid out to help me drag that scooter over here. We're going to box this guy in. <laughs> God. Well, speaking of more pointless shit, uh, Amazon has introduced the Amazon One. Mm-hmm. Which is a handprint scanner. Okay. So you can go to their stores and pay with your handprint now. And okay. I, I call this useless shit for, for one big reason. You know, I can go to an Amazon store right now, and I don't have to touch anything. They don't have my biometrics, and I can still pay for it using a QR code from their app, like we've been doing now for however long it's been since they bought Whole Foods. You know, it's a it's a strange thing to roll out something that requires you to place your hand on something that everybody else is putting their hands on when everybody is trying to do contactless. Well, this is contactless. You hold your hand over it. You don't oh, actually. You don't touch actually it. have to touch it. Okay. Well, no, you uh, don't have to okay. touch it. I still don't but do you, necessarily yeah. want Amazon to have my fingerprints. Exactly. That's <laughs> the whole thing. I'm like. Why do you need this when a QR code works just fine yeah. and it's in your phone that you've already touched? All good, you know. 
And yeah, you know, like when you have face ID and uh, biometrics on your phone, that's all securely kept on your phone. Yes, as opposed to whatever Amazon's going to do with it. One would assume put it in an unpassword protected Amazon bucket. Yep, that's exactly yep. it. <laughs> so I just saw this and I thought, like, what are they thinking between this, the the house drone, uh, the mailbox thing that they put out? I don't know if you saw that one. It's like a little sensor for your mailbox so you can yeah. tell when your mailbox is open and closed. Mm -hmm. They're really just not hitting anything out of the park, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it. Uh, we all have our phones on us. Everything should be done through a phone now. If you're going to do anything regarding anything secure or payment or identification, it should all be on your phone now. The fact that our driver's licenses aren't done through our phones now at this point is insane. Uh, you should be able to walk out of the house with nothing but your key and your phone. That's it. Hey, now you don't even need a key. Well, that's true. If you go for those things, which I'm, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I like a key. Uh <laughs> oh, mine works without a key. It uh, it uses Wi-Fi. I can just I can call up my my Explorer and Wi-Fi. I can start it early, so it either cools down or warms up. And uh, yeah, it, or I can use a touch code on the door right. to get in. But I was thinking my anyway. house more than my car. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> brick a brick. I found two links that just made me laugh and made me happy, which I think we all need these days. Uh, the first is from IFL Science. People are sharing the most random facts they know, and they're amazing. Uh, this is a great read. Link in the show notes. I'll just share three. Alligator is a deformation of the Spanish expression for the lizard, el lagarto. Who knew? Yeah, lagarto. <laughs> and this one's for you, Jason. Dogs poop in alignment with the Earth's magnetic field. Dogs use Earth's magnetic field to align their bowel and bladder movements, and they prefer to relieve themselves along a north and south axis. In fact, canines will actively avoid going to the bathroom in an east-west direction. Now, I got to test this one. This, this <laughs> well, I gave like, you something to do this afternoon. Yeah, exactly. You go. You can do that. I got to. I got to. You know, strap a compass to my dogs to figure out which way they're pointing. Ah, it's in your phone, Jason. You've got a compass in your phone. I do. I do, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's true from what I remember about uh, which way little Dino goes. He's always, you know, shifting and moving a little bit. He can never find that north-south axis, so maybe I need to get him a, a, a compass. <laughs> and my favorite fact from this list, which uh, I, it just serves as a point of warning, uh, I'm, I'm hoping none of our fans actually need this, but just in case, male dolphins can ejaculate as far as 10 feet and with such force that it can kill a human if that human was foolish enough to attempt relations with it. Well, you get what you deserve on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say. Yeah. And uh, on the sex tip, the other article I saw that I just loved, uh, 17 euphemisms for sex from the 1800s. This is over from Mental Floss. Riding St. George, blow the groundsels, and the personal favorite of mine, the blanket hornpipe. <laughs> they were pretty funny. I love that. So good. Yeah. Well worth the read. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also found out right before we went to air, Lewis Black has a new comedy special that you can buy. It's, oh, uh, does he? Yep. No, no uh, Netflix? Show notes. No nothing? He's just uh, no. selling it himself? That's cool. Yep. All yeah, right. it's a, it's a stand-up special. Like his last stand-up special he did in March before the lockdown. So go pick that up. Give Lewis a few bucks. I shall. I'll support him. I shall. And, uh, I don't know, though, man. It's, his humor's pretty dark, and I don't know if it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> there, there is right a now. bit of that worry because uh, he was dark before all this happened. I, I have not actually kept up with him. I follow him on Facebook, and I do see that he's always doing like a 
shows and things of that nature. Um, you know, just uh, recording things left, right, and center. So I haven't watched any of them. So I'm, I'm going to give it a go, though. Why not? I'm already bleak. I, I'm going to lean. Exactly. I'm leaning in, Jason. Okay. All right. And since I can barely leave the bed, I think it'll be just something nice to, you know, pass the time. While you're not checking which direction your dogs poop. Exactly. <laughs> We're back again with Seth Miranda, who finally could make some time for us, Mr. Busybody. Well, you know, I, I make time for the peasants every now and then. You yeah, know I, mean? I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Welcome to the field, sir. How, uh, how was your horse? <laughs> uh, Liz, I'm really sorry about that, but it has been one of the most ridiculous, what we call NPA new product announcement seasons, I think I've seen in a long time. And it's compiled with uh, where we are in the world right now. So I'm kind of dealing with all that. So are you actually back at work or are you still working out of your house? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What, would you go to Canada now? Um, it's Brian. I'm not, but I, I got the accent apparently. Yeah. <laughs> It's contagious. Let's let's talk about some boots and stuff like that. <laughs> hey, we could take some cues from Canada, so I'm cool with that. Um, look, I I uh, I'm kind of at home. I'm also in the field. I've been putting out videos like probably two a week for Adorama, and you see them in, in all these peer spaces and different venues. Like we are just out there doing wherever we, whatever we can, where we can to keep the platform running. So yeah, I live stream from my house. I have my studio going. I'm back to work in the makeup industry, which is very weird right now. And, uh, and yeah, how's that work? Much. Yeah. How does that work, Jason? <laughs> it's, um, I mean, are you all getting tested or what's the deal? Well, I'm, I've been tested like repeatedly. There's always uh, temperature checks depending on the production. There's been uh, productions that actually pay for on-site rapid testing, which is $100 per person. Wow. Yeah, there's a doctor on set. Like literally you walk up to a table before you even go anywhere and you get the test and in 15 minutes they, they let you walk in if it's okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. That's cool though. That's it's, it's really good. No, no, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's definitely uh, takes some weight off your shoulders. There's no like... I don't know how to put it. It's it's a false security, but it's a good security. You're still wearing masks. When I go to the makeup stuff, though, because the models are completely without protection, I'm double protection. So I have to wear, you know, the COVID mask, then a face shield, which is plastic, which is a few inches in front of my face. So I'm oh, having hard. Yeah, that's got to be tough. Yeah, crushing a camera into my face with that. It's fogging up. It's smearing up. It's scratching up. It's it's been very challenging. And um, I, I just say I, I totally uh, took for granted how streamlined workflow was. Even when I was like, man, this is a really hard job. Like, no, I, I actually had it way easier. Had it pretty right easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, it, but I feel like I'm going to. I might as well have like a bone saw in my hand and start to extracting marrow from people the way we're like all murked <laughs> out. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But hey, I'm very thankfully working. I'm very grateful for where I'm at. And I'm also I just want to say thank you to anybody who's listening who supports Adorama TV and my own channels. I absolutely can't be employed without you right now. So thank you so much. No, that's cool. That's very cool that you got uh, got stuff to do. But yeah, I saw that you were going back to makeup stuff, and I'm like, that can't be safe. <laughs> but if they have doctors on set, that's cool. Well, they, it, it's it's crazy safe. I think they have us change our masks at a periodic time. Also, like it is, mm -hmm. uh, I'm constantly spraying down everything with this solution. I don't even know what it is, but it's antibacterial craziness. They they fog I'm sure it's the great place. for your camera. Well, <laughs> sure yeah. Well, hey, think of it this way. Thank God everything's weather sealed now, right? Like that's the big spec is, is it weather sealed? Well, yeah. Like, go ahead. Let's do this. Yeah. Here. Yeah. True. The old days, they were not by no. any stretch of the imagination. If you had a pop-up flash, no. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, you said you like tons of new products coming out. What's, what's out there now? Well, it, 
Well, before we get into what's going on, uh, the reason it's crazy is one, all the factories are on halt. So everything that they had in development is now coming out. All the stuff we're seeing now should have been out March, maybe July, you know, but now we're seeing it right now. And on top of that, none of the trade shows hit. So instead of us going to one place to see it all in a couple of days and do a video where we talk to experts from the brands, no, I'm getting sent prototype after prototype and box after box, do a video, do a video. So what we used to cover in maybe three days, uh, maybe like 25, 30 products, I have to do an individual video for each one of them now. Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> but honestly, it's it's really exciting where we're at and it's amazing what technology we have in our hands, how accessible it is. And I think you and me were just talking about like affordable options out there. Yeah. Uh, but there is a cost at affordability as well. So Yeah, so that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today because I always talk about this. It, this bit me in the butt when I started podcasting. <laughs> I'd always buy cheap mics, you know, I, I'd buy just as much as I could almost afford in a little bit over. And I ended up having to always swap them out. Like, you know, I think about the the Rode Podcaster, which is one of the most garbage mics in the planet. It cost <laughs> me like $230 for this thing. It's a USB mic. And if you fart on it the wrong way, it will stop working. It's, it's like I pulled it apart to figure out why it stopped working. And half of the solders were undone. Oh, and I'm wow. Like, I never dropped it. It was never, you know, it was always on a mic stand. And one day it just stopped working. And just all the solders busted loose. I'm like... Yeah, that's a that's really bad design. But now I've got, you know, I've got a very expensive mic. I've got very expensive audio gear. And if I would have just bought this first, then I would have been fine. And I would have saved a lot of money. And then that gets us to photo gear. I've got all these uh, newer. I think we talked about this on the show before. Is it newer or newer? We're just going to call it newer. Yeah, I call it. I hate it. I call <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've got four LED panels and soft boxes on them and i could never get the look that i really wanted and then and uh, one day you're just like oh yeah i've got this uh, video light this you know i think yours is a 300 watt video light mine's a 200 watt video light and i got an octabox for it it's on a c-stand with the pumpkins you know it's yeah. all it's all hanging out and I, I still use my newer light for a fill but uh, if i'd have just bought that one light I would have saved myself so much aggravation, time, and money that uh, it's like it's worth spending extra money on. Yeah, I think people don't realize that. Um, look, I'm not saying go out there and buy the best because people that go out there who just started shooting and go, let me buy a $2,000 Pro Photo Light before I even learn how to use the strobe. You can't even appreciate why it's $2,000. Right. Until you've been through the muck a little bit. I will say we're in the age of self-publication, right? Like we can just create something and put it out there on our own accord. We don't need anybody's green light anymore to put a project together. We mm -hmm. have the ability to put it out there. It's up to us to market it to get more exposure. But that being said, your stuff is being seen by people with untrained eyes more than ever before. Like they don't really realize what they're looking at. They don't really understand what they're hearing. They, they, they know when something sounds good, but they might not know why it sounds good or why right. it looks better than something else. And yeah. And a lot of people do a lot of post editing. And if you are someone like that, which I am not, maybe it's okay to go budget friendly on a few things because you can grade it later or whatever. But let me explain something to you. When it comes to cheap lighting, the first thing you're going to deal with is inconsistencies. Meaning if you bought a budget friendly brand, which is fine, and it's uh, it, it comes off the line, what you might have are three different production runs that because this bulb was on sale on the market this day and this capacitor was on sale that week and whatever else, you could have inconsistency in power, color, 
output, flicker rates, all sorts of stuff. I even have people in my own Discord server telling, showing me how they all have the same light from this. I'm not going to name the manufacturer, but the interface looks different because the firmware wasn't the same on each one of those boards. Yeah, and it's it's funny too. It's like every adapter for every single one of my lights is different. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all they're all different. I'm just like, and then you go try and buy another adapter if one dies on you because they for some reason when you get che- like just cheesy crappy lights, the adapters die. So you have to go out and find the adapters, and that can cost you almost as much as like 25 percent of the light. Well, it's that's ridiculous. They, yeah, that's where they try to save the cost of manufacturing. Like for mm-hmm. a long time ago, and maybe even still today, the joint that the light rested on before it went onto a stand, the, the socket itself, that's where they used to skimp up the plastic. Again. Well, guess oh, what happens? Yeah. All mine are broke. <laughs> yeah. All mine are broken. So if you can't mount it, what's the point of the light? I you know. know? <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of crazy. And the other thing that I think people that are untrained don't realize is color cast. And forever leds were horrifying for color they just didn't have the full color spectrum in them and i think i even talked about this on the show before but if you have three of the same light from a budget brand odds are they might not match up and one might be a little greener and you wonder why you can't balance it in post anymore well that's because you're mixing lights it's not just the whole thing is globally green only your shadows are green or something yeah like that so, i've got that yeah i totally got that like i said i got four of these newer you know hundred dollar panels and they are completely different all yeah. of them yep it's it sucks that being said anybody out there is looking to get started there's no harm in going budget friendly till you realize what you want and how to do it and even if this is for you because if you spent a few grand and you go you know what i don't really want to be a streamer well you only spent a few hundred and that's right way better off and i i i used to get a really bad rep for trashing um uh third-party brands that knocked off the expensive brands that we use in the professional industry. And my whole thing was, is I don't mock the brand. The brand is bringing more people into this and allowing more people to create cool things and learn. And that's great. My problem was always the people that went to the keyboards and fought me saying, it's just as good. I got news for you. A $250 (laughs) flash. That's a knockoff of a thousand dollars strobe. There's corners cut. This isn't just inflated margins. There's real reasons. And when I'm on set and I got a lot of people pointing at me for their jobs, I can't tell them, hey, I know that light didn't fire four times, but hey, they, I saved $400. Like, like, yeah, they don't care. You know what's really funny? You know what? I, you know what flash I still have that still mm-hmm. works like as good as the day I bought it? Nikon. I get an SB16. Yep. Nikon, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Works exactly the same as the day I bought it. TTL is perfect. Everything still works. Cost me like $600 when I was yep. in high school. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was in high school. That's just when the F4 came out. I had it for my 8008S because um, I'd already burned through an 8008 and the <laughs> 8008S was out. I, I literally ran through the, the motor on an 8008. And That's so nice. I was on the S and uh, I still have that with my SC17 sync cords with still work. Yep. And they'll be consistent. And the, yeah. it, it's it, what people just didn't get is, well, Nikon has a $600 speed light. That's their flagship speed light. I'm like, I hope it has a premium price to it if it's a flagship. And then there's like a third party brand that's, you know, from the other side of the world. Vivitar. That's $100. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know what's funny? I started my career in Vivitar. As I did too. I did too. I still, I, I still kind of miss those. Yeah. What tanks? <laughs> I mean, I beat the snot out of those things. And I always found them at garage sales and had another one. You know, it was great. Vivitar with a quantum battery, you yeah. know, back in the old days. Quantum, those were. Gosh. 
Oh man, remember those? <laughs> you couldn't even dispose of those because they were lead cells. They were car batteries on your belt. Yeah, it you put them nuts. in somebody else's garbage that you hated. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's so wrong. <laughs> now, it, I, I think people. Uh, I think it's when you start realizing how much you're using the equipment, how much of your life is going into this equipment to it not be a friction point. The tools mm -hmm. are meant to work for you and so that you can just be the creative. And I yep. think that's what people don't understand is like, oh, it's just as good. It's like, yeah, but you might buy that three or four times or maybe you need to understand why that light's failing. Cause there's plenty of people that go, Oh no, this, this light panel is great. It was $40 on Amazon. I'm like, you look like you're getting dimmer over time. You're looking more orange than the first day you started streaming. The light that I'm using, you're for turning into Trump as you go. Oh, oh no. my gosh. The, listen, I went cheap on my, uh, my lights. Cause I wanted a monolight configuration for my streaming setup. So, which means that I could have a Bowens mount to put a big soft box on. It's not a panel. And I didn't want to spend where it started at was $800 per light. I needed two of them. So I found a set that's no longer made anymore. I'm not going to name the brand because I actually like the brand. But you could tell that it was a re-sticker. They bought it and put their sticker on it. And I was like, uh -huh. oh, this is cheap. This is under $400 for two lights that were the equivalent of a 1,000 watts each. Let me buy these. <laughs> a year later, I'm looking at my stream. I'm like, wow, this looks yellow. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, it just, the diodes aren't there for you anymore. They did their job for the price point that they were, you know, supposed to, you know, and you have to make peace with that. But if you are wondering why you're not having fun creating and you're going to have to spend more time fixing what the tool isn't doing for you. Yeah. Time to assess some things. And just as a last point, I know we're getting a little winded here. Do not ever. Under any circumstances, and Jason can attest to this, skimp on grip. Don't skimp on stands, clamps, arms. Oh, yeah, dude. Because yeah. that, no matter what you use in your career, no matter what, will go with you. I don't care what light brand you use, what camera brand, whatever mics, the grip will support anything you put on it. And the last thing you need is whatever you put on it to hit the ground. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm like... I, I got a C stand that I had forever that, you know, cost me like, it was like 110 bucks, but it held the weight of this new light that I got perfectly. It's done. I don't have to think about it. My new $2,800 camera is sitting on a, a Manfrotto, you know, uh, carbon fiber tripod. I don't have to worry about it. It's yep. not going to fall over. And I've got, a, I've got a graveyard of really crappy tripods that I bought that were, you know, bargain basement oh, that I can't put anything on because I don't trust them to fall over. You know, I, I almost feel bad that I have to throw them out. Like I'm like, oh yeah. man, there's so much plastic here or whatever. It, it just goes to show you that um, it's the foundation, right? Is the yeah. grip. The grip is no matter what you guys use out there, even if you don't think you're going to be sticking with this for the long run. It'll last over time and have resale value. A quick tip, if a rental house doesn't want to – if you don't see the brand you're looking at in rental houses, odds are it wasn't meant to hold up. Oh, that's a really good tip. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's funny. I just uh, – you know, I was talking about – for me personally, microphones and audio gear was one of those things. I'm, you're talking to me on a microphone I bought you that cost me about 80 bucks, right? Yeah. No, Sounds well, good yeah. though. Sounds yeah. really good. I was shocked um, at this thing. I am on a $600 microphone with a $100 shock mount with a $300 arm with, <laughs> with $100 cables going into a $900 interface, right? Now, here's the thing about this. I never have to think about it again. I'm nope. done. Everything nope. that I bought, you know, I just switched over from my PreSonus Studio 192, which I had for five years. It lasted wow. me for five years. I've got two of them. 
And I'm Wait, keeping they them. supported it for five years. It's still supported. It's totally wow. still supported. It's wild. Uh, but I moved over to a Mix Pre Six uh, version two because they've got this really cool anti-clipping technology with 32-bit float, which I'm like, okay, I'll pay for that. I will pay big money for that. Right, right. But uh, now it's like I don't, I don't need more audio gear for ten years. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of crazy, and I think that we get stuck on things like specs, mm-hmm. and people want to upgrade to the best, but they don't really realize that they're just being sold something else that the specs aren't uh there's no expiration date on the specs right um Mm. if you don't need 4k then that 1080 camera that you're doing is just fine because guess what twitch doesn't stream in 4k so relax kid exactly Uh, there's so many things out there that are just crazy and and uh, the hype machine is just so dangerous. And I think that's one of the reasons one of our favorite brands, uh, Nikon, is actually kind of taking a hit right now is they're never this like hype, spec-heavy marketing brand. They just go, we need dependability, a really good you know, interface. We make cameras and nothing else. And it's, it's, it's starting to come up to a head, though, I think. You know, we're looking at the mirrorless revolution happening, which is the, first, the biggest changeover since we went to digital. So right. we're, we're just seeing the infancy still of full-frame mirrors. People will tell you, like, no, no, it's here. Pros are using it. It's like, no, it's only been usable for, like, the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have companies like Canon and Nikon, who are century-old companies, trying to flesh out these systems now and they're being panned at every moment. But that Nikon Z you're using is less than two years old and that's gen one. Less yeah, exactly. No. And, and, you know, I love it, but here's the funny thing. I did a shoot for uh, my friend's graduation. I had to go do some, uh, or not graduation, her senior photos. Hmm. And I took the Z6 and I took my D810 Nice. and the D810 consistently was a lot better than the Z6. Really? Really? Yeah. It's, uh, the Z6 is contrasty as shit. Um, I noticed a, a lot. It, there, was a, there, there was just a lot of edge detail that was really blown out. Wait, on but, Raw? Uh, yeah, on Raw. It's crazy. Um, but so, I mean, all the pictures, I put them all together in a big bucket and said, pick, me, pick, you know, pick the ones you want. They consistently picked all the D810 uh, photos. Yeah, they thought all- they thought the skin tones were off with the Z6. I know it's all it's firmware and software. We've talked about firmware you and I on the show before, uh, and it'll get better. It'll definitely get better. But uh, you know, I, I love the Z6. I'm I'm just going to tell you, I I love this thing. I can't wait for them to keep iterating on it and keep keep it growing. But uh, yeah, my DA10 still you know to this day produces better photos than the Z6. Well, you're also talking a jump in probably 30 to 40% more resolution on the DA10. So that missing information on a 24 megapixel sensor does make a difference. But I I mean, either way. uh, Yeah, what's the Z6? 24 and the DA10 is 36. 36, 37. Yeah, that's a a 12 megapixel bump. So that's that's not insignificant. And color depth. It's bit depth, you know. And Mm -hmm. what I think other people, people also have to realize is there's something, there's a difference between accurate color and pleasing color. And a lot of times we don't realize that the color that we're seeing come up that you don't like might actually be more accurate to what's in front of your face all the time. And you're looking at it out like, okay, Canon. Canon is famous for color science people love. Me personally, I think they hammer the reds too hard. I but, hate fucking Canons, man. Um, yeah, they're orange. It's 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 yeah. it, it it shifts towards orange. And I also think that their highlights have no definition to them. I think they blow out highlights pretty quick, but they're the number one camera for weddings, which is all white dresses. So go figure. Ah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I just I, I I hate the color space on Canons, man. I can tell you show me a photo, I can tell you if it's a Canon or an Nikon. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I just, well, I just did that video with, um, with a Sony and I'm like not used to their color because I shoot Nikon and, and Fuji. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, what is going on here? And I just realized it's just different color science and it's what the camera is interpreting. What you're looking at is just what that camera wants to tell you is the color. It doesn't mean it is the accurate color. When you talk about like real accuracy, there's Hasselblad and phase one systems with crazy software behind them with crazy calibration to do accurate renditions of like museum paintings. Mm-hmm. But when they're selling you a consumer camera, all they want you to do is go, wow, these people look beautiful. And those people think I made them look beautiful. And now I'm getting sold. Now, now I'm sold in this camera. In right. fact, there was a term, slang term, and I hope I don't get bit in the ass over this, but we used to call <laughs> don't it- Don't cancel Seth. Yeah, I know. Don't cancel Seth. <laughs> but a few years ago, we used to call it Canon Sharp because we felt that the Canons, while they made amazing glass, would handicap a little bit on the back end on the sensor to make it a little less sharp so that skin mm. looked smoother on people. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. You know? For sure. But we are on the cusp of some new Nikons coming out. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you sent me that link this morning and i'm like what that's a huge speculation point but this, this is for the z9 yeah well we don't even know if it's called a z9 we don't even know if this is real it's just some guy that posts on a website some list of specs that people are going oh my god i hope it's true uh, yeah I, rumors are fun but they are so damaging to the industry they give people these hopes that it's possible to do this at this price point and when the reality comes they go oh this brand sucks it's like no, you suck. You suck. Like, what do you want? A unicorn to come out of the battery compartment? Like, stop it already. Yeah. No, we uh, we talk. That's why we don't cover Apple news for the most part on this show, because it's all speculation and oh bullshit my, for the most bad. part. <laughs> when, it, when it ships, we'll talk about it. That's yeah, about it. But this week, I am headed to Nikon. Uh, they did announce that they are dropping the, the next generation or the half mark point. I don't know. You know, um, what do you call it? Uh, the S version? Yeah, but I don't think they call it the S version anymore. I think they're taking a page out of Sony's marketing book and just calling it like the 2. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the Z6 II and the Z7 II. Uh, of course there's a Z6 II because I just spent $2,800 on a fucking Z6. <laughs> well, you spend it with the – think of it this way. That camera body only is around eighteen dollars to $600 retail, right? Yep. So if this new one is two grand new, which is probably what the Z6 was when it was new, the Z6 original will go down to another price point of between, I'm going to guess, thirteen to fifteen. And if yep. that's the case, that's an entry-level full-frame mirrorless camera that is uh, outstanding for video. I mean, it could flood the market for beginners. Yeah. No, I, I have nothing bad to say about this thing for video. It's like you saw you, you saw me set up. Mm-hmm. I used all of your tutorials to get my lighting right. And this thing, everybody that has seen me on this camera, they're like, holy shit, it's that sharp. looks amazing. The, the kit lens is nuts. I can't believe what they put out with the glass oh, for kit lenses. It's great. The it's great. Have you seen the close focusing on that? You're like, wait, how is this happening? No, it's great. The the uh, the face focus, like the follow focus, yep. is perfect. Uh, and I gotta say, since I'm a dog lover, <laughs> their their pet eye recognition works like a motherfucker. Oh, does it really? I haven't. <laughs> oh even my tried god, it. yeah. it's so great. It's it's. I mean, it's amazing. You know, you I'm just. Sitting, yeah, I got three dogs, and it it picks up on them when they're sitting in the backyard. I posted some pics on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash/jpd. Uh, you can see some of the Z6 photos with the the dogs, and it's like it it tracks them as they're moving. It's great. Meanwhile, and this is an issue I really hope that we can shed some light on. If you go on YouTube, every major YouTuber, not pro YouTuber, 
that's popular will tell you how Nikon's failing at autofocus, how it can't Bullshit. track. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. There, so here's what happens. I'm Joe Smith, and I'm looking to get into this stuff, and I see people using all these brands, but I don't know what any of them are, and I don't even know what photography is really about. But yeah. I want to get into this. I don't know my f-stop from my asshole. <laughs> yeah, and they're just they're like, you know what? Um, my friends are telling me all get Sony, 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 and I go watch some schmuck with a dumb haircut on uh on YouTube, and he right off the bat says Nikon's failing. Well, right away that person takes that brand off the table, and it hurts that brand. So now they have a million views on a video where they say that and a good percentage of those people are looking at those videos to kind of negotiate where they should put their money. And this is what's hurting the industry is these pe popular people who just want clickbait are going to damage. In uh, look, Olympus is gone, man. Like, like, yeah, they're, they're dead. They're putting <laughs> out cameras for the next two years. We don't know. They're not even going to say Olympus on the camera bodies anymore. Wow. So we don't, yeah. I, this this is a reality, you know. Um, camera companies absorb other companies. Rico Pentax, Sony bought Minolta. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen right now, and all people are doing are going off of somebody's whack opinion of using a camera for five seconds. When you're going to tell me right now, if they didn't hear that end of it, that you, they if they heard you say this, be like, oh, their autofocus is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't believe how well it works. You know, I'm doing product videos, and it it it. I mean, it's tack sharp within like a second. It's crazy good. Yeah, and if if you put it up against something that's out there like Sony or Canon is crushing it on autofocus right now, uh, yeah, maybe it's not as fast. We're talking about milliseconds when we say yeah, that it's super it's thin margins there between the two. Exactly. And when people don't realize that when they say one is faster or stickier or whatever, first of all, as a professional, I'm going to tell you right now, I, for what I do, I never, ever let the camera pick what it's going to focus on. Right. Um, I mean, I just can't. I'm shooting. I don't. I, I don't want it to pick an eyeball when I'm trying to focus on a necklace while keeping the face in the frame or whatever the hell. I'm doing. Uh huh. Yeah. So I don't really care about any of that. But I'll tell you right now, what you should care about is what works for you. Does it make you want to use it? Do you pick up the camera and go, oh, I'm so psyched to go shoot? Or is it a headache of going through menus and settings and a thousand things on your screen that you don't realize what it is? Or does the color not match the way you see the world? Do the lenses give you an array of uh, selection that you'd be into? You know, people just lose sight of what's actually important and they just get psyched on. I want to be the guy who bought the most specs because I have a small dick, you know, like, I don't right. know. What to say, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like, I, I, I don't care about the art that I'm trying to make. It's like, you know, real professionals care about the actual end product. Listen to those dogs. I know. See, they're, they're waiting for their, their moment. They're waiting for them. They're, they're ready. Mr. DeMille. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's, it's kind of crazy. And then, you know, uh, just just to brush up on the last part of that spec, look what happened with the Canon R5. That thing was dropped down like it was a messiah. They were like, it has 8K video. Wait, 8K? Ooh. Yeah, 8K. None of us can use 8K, but I really exactly. want 8K. Exactly. Who the fuck needs 8K? <laughs> you know, 8K has its purposes. You know, there's you can you can crop in and still get 4K resolution. Yeah, if you're so, a movie studio. Yeah, I get it. Listen, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. You know, I I just think um, what happened was is it got released. And it started having overheating issues. And then people started speculating that overheat issues were false, that Canon put on this fake temperature gauge on it to hope uh, to help the camera not physically receive damage at some point. They fixed the firmware and it gives you a longer time, but it will still overheat because it's fucking 8K on a full frame sensor <laughs> exactly. in a weather sealed body. What do you think is yeah. going to happen? But yeah, it's called heat management, baby. Yeah, you know, and. <laughs> Honestly, like 
let's let's put it this way: Sony put out 4K full frame um, mirrorless cameras years ago with the R2 and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they were praised even though they were he- overheating and shutting down on people and had no battery life. They were praised for progression. Canon puts out 8K. It's it is usable. It even got fixed with firmware to a degree. It still does no no pun intended. It still does overheat, but <laughs> they're being panned for it. Mm-hmm. That's a, the definition of what's wrong with going on. What's going on right now? If this was years ago and that Canon name said Sony, they would have been praised, praised for pushing the envelope. It's so funny. My Z6 has been here. I use uh, external power for it mm. and run it into my Mac Mini with uh, you know USB C cable with the new uh, uh, basically the webcam software that they just released in beta, which is awesome by the way. This camera has been plugged in and on for a. About seventy-two hours. Jeez, can't even can't even feel any heat. Yeah, so uh, that's and that other- was a mistake. I I just forgot to turn it off. It was I came in this morning. It was on. I'm like, oh shit, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> but it, it it didn't overheat. It hasn't shut down or anything. It still works. You'll never hear. You'll never hear unless it was a defect that the Z6 or something from Nikon overheated because they're they're doing what they know works that's stable and reliable because that's what we need. And instead of pushing specs and not be able to deliver because it's not that usable, but it sells, right? It's the marketing, right? I I think the next thing we're going to see now is a processor war. We're going to see things where the megapixels have already been settled. Now we we don't need need anymore. We're good. We're good on megapixels. We're good. good. Hey, listen, I shot that A7R4 Sony that's 61 megapixels. Jesus. And I found it to be noisy for what I usually shoot. Wow. And that's what happens with more megapixels means smaller pixels on the sensor. That's why the A7S III is 12 megapixels but can shoot in low light beautifully because the pixels are way larger on that sensor than if it was a 20, 30, 40 megapixel sensor. And nobody needs that much resolution. You know, it's like in the old days when I worked in the ad business, we were doing – when we would do photo shoots for billboards, you know, we'd bust out the Hasselblad. You know, we did Tomb Raider and you couldn't do that in 35 mil. You had to get you had to get a Hasselblad and you had to do it medium format or large format because you needed the resolution because that was shit was going to get blown up and put literally on the side of a bus or a billboard. We don't need that. You know, this shit's going on Instagram. It's going to be 1500 pixels wide. Nobody fucking needs that many (laughs) megapixels. Yeah. I I mean, there's something we said for um, the fact that for the same price, you can get the resolution, right? Like, yeah, uh, I personally, when I got the D850, it went to 47 megapixels, and I never wanted to go backwards again after I saw the, what was coming off of this sensor. I, yeah, I am, well, the D850 is dude, just gorgeous. Oh, I'm almost thinking of buying a second one new just to shelve it because when the DSLRs kind of see, yeah. hey, Nikon just, just now called it quits on film cameras. The F6 is finally stopping production, and one day it's going to happen at DSLRs. Oh, shit. You know what's on my nightstand, right? I got an mm. F3 and an F4 on my nightstand. <laughs> I had a good joke for what was on your nightstand, but I'll leave that one alone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Leave that. Leave that. But uh, I always wanted that F4. You know, it was like $6,000 or something when it was new. You can get it And uh, I got it on eBay. Mint condition. The only problem is neither one of them have eye cups on them, and I can't get a replacement eye cup. And I don't want to ruin my glasses, but oh, uh, I never uh, use those. Yeah, it's like you know, a couple hundred bucks. You know, I think I think I got my F three with the motor drive uh, for one eighty. Mm, yeah, and, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the F one hundred was such a banger camera, and they're they're if you want to shoot film, if you want to shoot film, uh, a Nikon F, the original Nikon, is 
like a trendy fashion statement here in New York. I'm looking at all these like sweatpants wearing fedora <laughs> dudes walking around <laughs> with it. I'm like, do you, you know what it is? Because if it's shot on film, somehow it's automatically a good photo. I don't, no, I don't it's know. not. <laughs> well, no, that's it's what not. it is. Hey, listen, I got, I got buckets and, and file folders of really shitty photographs on film. I can, yeah. I can disprove that. <laughs> but we're dealing with a generation of kids that never loaded a roll of film. You know what I mean? They never got that sensation of a, um, a, a materialistic photo, something they hold. Yeah. You know? They never had their own bulk loader uh, sitting in the dark. <laughs> I have I, one right here. I'm looking at my bulk loader right now. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this film it. I should go check that actually. I went to, uh, I went to Europe and I took 250 rolls of film with me with Oof. my 8,008S that I hand loaded all of them. And I hand fucking developed every single roll of film there. Took me like nine months, but I hand, hand developed all of them and I'm almost done scanning them. And I am now 49 years old and I shot those when I was 20. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's the romance of it, right? Like you actually put your hands in the dirt with that kind of stuff. And that's why I think, look, we we ingest images at, so quickly now. We just fly past them in a few seconds scrolling up on our phones. But years ago, you and me grew up with it took you a week to get to that print. It took you a, a yeah. couple of days, you know, and when you shared it, like that was the one image because it wasn't a thousand frames. You're shooting 20 frames a second. Now we shot 24 frames on a roll in a week. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Was, yeah. you Every time you press count. that button, it was expensive <laughs> and you made it count, you know, you yep. made it count. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of artistic type shooters falling back to medium format where you only have, you know, 12 frames, you know, you only have 16 frames, you know, they're, yeah. they're looking for that. Well, let's refine all the images. Let's not do hold down that, that shutter button and pray that we got something. Pray and pray. Yeah. Dude, I mean, my phone is filled. I just edited a set and I have 115 frames out of this set. If this was the film days, I would have gotten maybe 15. <laughs> you'd have gotten bankruptcy is what you'd have gotten. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been good chatting and catching up. I'm glad to glad to have you back. Let's let's uh, try not spend so much time apart. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, but hey, I'm glad people are digging this segment. And um, listen, we're not just Nikon fanboys. Just was very Nikon centric today because we both own them and we both use them. <laughs> and they got a new one. They got new ones coming out next week, which is pretty exciting. So cool deal. What happens? Thanks so much, Jason. And uh, you guys can all follow me at Last X Witness on everything. Join me on Twitch. Join my Discord. If you're a photo nerd, you're more than welcome to come join my little community. 2020 just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? Um, never was a huge Van Halen fan, but totally respect the band and what they did. And obviously, Eddie Van Halen is is the original Guitar Hero, so much so that Guitar Hero should have paid him royalties for the name. Yep, yep, they should have. Yeah, it's a sad one. I didn't even know he was that sick. And, oh, yeah, uh, he's been uh, sick for quite some time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So we also lost Johnny Nash. Yep. I don't know. A lot of a lot of a lot of our younger listeners probably don't know who that is, but I know that we had uh, eight tracks of Johnny Nash around my house growing up. <laughs> and super sad news this morning: Pierre Kedzie from Naked Raygun has passed away at fifty-eight. Oh, really? So oh, damn wow. young! I did not see that until right now. That's, yeah, yeah, uh, that's he a had cancer. Fuck cancer! Damn yeah. it! Well, fuck but, a lot of things. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, big thanks to Seth Miranda for jumping in this week for a bit. Yep, thank you. Some, some fun talk. And a shout out to our friend of the show, MXV, who is had tested positive with COVID and is he's doing okay. It sucks, but he's doing okay.
So our thoughts are with you, Mike. Well, you know, thank God he had that helicopter to take him to Walter Reed and the best care known to man and all paid for by the government because socialized medicine. Oh, wait, he didn't have any of those things, did he? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not okay. a one. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's doing all right. I'm sorry to yes. hear it, man. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. This show is a labor of love, but your support keeps us going. And if you like the show, please visit GOG.show slash donate to help us out. We'll love you forever. Or visit GOG.show slash shop and pick up some good old-fashioned swag. If you can't do that, just please pass the show along to a friend. Word of mouth is the only way the show grows, so spread the grump far and wide. And if it spreads far enough, we might be back to two episodes a week. <laughs> show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 478. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, donate to the show, buy our swag, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy.